You are listening to a sermon from Mission Point St. John. We hope this message encourages a deeper connection between you and Jesus, our Savior. wonderful, wonderful church. We're glad to be home from General Conference, and uh, we had a, an uh, incredible General Conference, just um, over the top, 17,000 were registered for General Conference, and um, just powerful services. If you're wanting to watch some of those night services, they're on YouTube under General Conference 2022. You're able to go on and watch those for free. If you didn't uh, watch them while they happened live and uh, brother Bernard's message uh, he did mention and highlight our church uh, and our daughter works in his message so that was kind of neat and uh, so that was pretty exciting but all the services were just power-packed and then we flew directly to Newfoundland and uh, were part of some meetings and things there over the weekend and uh, Thank the Lord we're home safe and sound, safe at least, um, yesterday. Amen. And God's good. Here we are in Bible study tonight, and uh, we're into our third lesson of our small groups called Better, and we've been focusing and going through uh, some uh, things out of the book of Leviticus. And, of course, uh, Leviticus and Hebrews uh, kind of go together. And uh, what we're talking about in this series uh, is that the, the new covenant is better than the old covenant. And uh, obviously you and I get to sit here tonight because uh, that the Lord took our place at Calvary. Aren't you thankful for that? That's part of the new covenant. And uh, we have a relationship with him. But there's things that are mentioned, obviously, in the book of Leviticus that have relevance and they have importance to understanding uh, what we are part of today. And so um, tonight we're going to deal with the festivals. And sometimes when we start and we bring up, we dealt with the offerings uh, the first uh, week. And then we dealt with um, how the cleansing of leprosy is compared to the cleansing of sin. Uh, we dealt with that last Wednesday. Tonight we're talking about the festivals. And sometimes we get into these topics and... Um, we just have to simplify, uh, obviously, what happens in Leviticus, but how important it is to us and what the Lord did for us in the New Testament. And so I'm thankful for that. So if you, if you start to uh, focus or study on the festivals out of the book of Leviticus, you're going to find um, a lot of discussion about those in the 23rd chapter of Leviticus. And uh, the festivals, besides their daily worship, the law... Uh, prescribed special events, or what is known as festivals, to be observed from time to time by the congregation. And so one Hebrew name for festival was hag, which means to dance. So there were celebrations, and, and uh, they were applied to religious services or religious events. And uh, they were indicated in a lot of times by joy and gladness of what the Lord had done. Uh, it should really never change. We should always be excited about what God has done in our lives where we celebrate uh, what the Lord has done. And so that's why there's a relevance to 
them uh, still today. The term most fitly designated to um, the festivals or the feast was moed, uh, which that means to assemble or place of assembly. So it wasn't just for one individual or one group or one family. It was for the congregation. That's why it is important for us to come together to celebrate what God has done in our lives. Uh, I have an understanding uh, personally that uh, obviously we, we get together on Sunday and here we are on Wednesday and we have prayer on Friday and some people wonder why we come to church so much and uh, we must be needing a lot of help. Um, but there's, there's a reason of coming to the house of the Lord. The Bible tells us not to forsake coming together. Um, but one of the biggest reasons to come to the house of the Lord Obviously, we're worshiping and praising him, and we're with the family of God, and we're all part of that family. But we come to celebrate what God has done through our lives the rest of the time when we're not together. Uh, yes, people come, and they give their hearts to the Lord, and people are repenting of their sin, but you don't just repent on Wednesday or Sunday. God can forgive someone any day of the week. Uh, baptisms don't have to happen on just a certain day, and God's not just pouring out His Spirit on a certain day. Uh, we come to celebrate what God has done the rest of the time. And so that's kind of the focal point of the festivals throughout the book of Leviticus. The name refers to a stated assembly of the people and occasions that were fixed uh, by a divine appointment where they came for the purpose of worship and thanksgiving of what the Lord had done. Amen. Aren't you thankful for what the Lord has done? Amen. That's, that's, how we, uh, that's how we serve him. I want to thank him. I want to continue to thank him. I never want to be an unthankful person of what God's done in our lives. Um, so we're going to go through. There's, um, uh, there's multiple uh, or many festivals, but we will just focus on some of the major ones tonight. Um, first of all, the, the Passover which was um, happened, and you have to understand the Jewish calendar is different than ours. Uh, it's not even by the same names, okay? So understanding that. So the Passover happened on the 14th of Nisan, which, uh, which we would have mostly uh, or recognize mostly as March or April. Uh, so uh, depending on where the calendar uh, sat, but the 14th of Nisan is where um, the Passover or the feast of the Passover festival happened. And the significance of this is, of course, it's connected very much to uh, the Feast of Unleavened Bread. And uh, we'll kind of talk about that a little bit. Uh, but the, the distinction, obviously, is that the Passover happens, uh, the sacrifice, and it's followed by uh, Unleavened Bread immediately uh, uh, right after the time period of the Passover. Um, when you look at the word or the meaning that you see in the Hebrew, Pisa or Pesa, it means to leap over figuratively to show mercy for, for what's happened in our lives. And God is uh, leaping over or denotes that he's overstepping, uh, not that it's being removed from our lives. Uh, and it wasn't removed from their life, the sin. It was pushed, overstepped, denoted that they were leaping over. And so there was a Paschal lamb sacrifice that happened on the Passover. And, of course, this goes all the way back to the last plague that happened in Egypt. And uh, you go through the nine plagues, and 
Of course, uh, you have a going back and forth whether the people are going to be let go after 430 years. And then all of a sudden, the 10th plague. And the 10th plague was uh, they killed a lamb. Uh, they took the blood of that lamb and they applied it to the doorposts of their house, went inside to eat the lamb, and they were uh, uh, on guard and ready to leave Egypt. Uh, you have lots of understanding. There was, the blood was being applied to the doorposts that when the death angel passed over, uh, every house that had the blood applied, um, then it was overstepped. It was actually uh, leaped over. The firstborn of all the other houses that did not have the blood applied, the firstborn of, of family and cattle died. And so you had a lot of death that was happening in Egypt, but God's people were spared because of the initial Passover. And that initial Passover, uh, that festival, was a celebration that happened in their home each family uh, at the Passover meal symbolized their uh, solidarity uh, with the exodus from, from Egypt and, and where God had struck down uh, the Egyptians and yet passed over them uh, and their firstborn was spared. And so this was the first day of the religious year, not the civil year, but the first day of the religious year for it marked uh, God's redemption of his people out of slavery. That's relevant to us today because if you go to Calvary, uh, the Lord uh, was uh, killed, slain, given as a sacrifice, crucified um, during this period of time uh, in Jerusalem. And so this is obviously significant because the Lord became our lamb. That's why John said, Behold the lamb of God, which taketh away the sin of the world. And so the Passover happened every year, every year from the exodus of Egypt all the way through to Calvary. I'm thankful that the Lord became the lamb of God, amen, that took away the sin of the world, Amen. Uh, the sin was nailed to the cross, and you and I get to sit here tonight because of that original Passover, the symbolizing, the foreshadowing of Jesus becoming our substitute. Amen. He took our place. Thank God, amen, that he became the deliverance for you and I out of the symbolism of Egypt or the world. We're in the world, but we're not of the world. And so when you gave your heart to the Lord, he brought you out of the slavery of this world to become adopted into his family, leaped over, stepped over, amen, for what was actually destined in our life, for the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ, our Lord. And so there was a substitute that took our place that what we deserved is not what we received. Aren't you thankful tonight? Amen. I'm so thankful for the power of the Passover festival 
and what it means in our lives today. Amen. I'm thankful that God uh, uh, is able to bring us out of slavery and give us liberty whom the Son has set free is free indeed. Amen. We're no longer a slave to sin, but rather uh, joint heirs with Christ. Amen. We're part of the family of God, and that all happened because of that festival uh, that's recognized as the Passover that symbolized what was going to take place at Calvary. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Um, and so connected to that festival is the festival of unleavened bread. So the festival of the Passover happened on the 14th of Nisan. Unleavened bread started immediately the 15th to the 21st of Nisan. And this was a feast of unleavened bread that followed that Passover for the next seven days. Uh, and on each of those days, they did a morning sacrifice and a sacrifice in connection with uh, the feast was presented. And unleavened bread alone was eaten. Uh, it's, uh, it's, if you look at the, the festival, it's that week-long period marked by sacrifice where the people... Uh, are, are having bread without yeast. And it's a reminder uh, for those seven days of the hurried exodus from Egypt. And um, when, you, when you look at yeast and you see the examples that are used in Scripture, of course, um, in this case, the unleavened bread of, the, of this festival, uh, it was necessary for them not to use yeast. There's other times within Scripture. Uh, you'll see in Leviticus chapter 7, also in Leviticus chapter 23, when it comes to the wave offering, the peace offering, in which God uh, asked them to make sure they used yeast. So um, there's times when it's used and times when it's not used. And the representation of, you see in Scripture, New Testament, a little leaven leaveneth the whole lump. And so it, it was a representation of, of, of the time as evil or sin. And so leaven was used, obviously, to... Uh, it was really old dough that was fermented, and it would cause the new dough to rise. And the idea behind it, of course, in the unleavened uh, festival, is there was to be no evil, there was to be no sin. God was bringing them out, and everything about him is perfect. Everything about him is sinless. And it was a foreshadow of what the Lord was going to represent. Uh, when, when Jesus went to the cross, he didn't die on the cross because of sin, of himself. He took upon himself sin. Uh, and so you'll have in the original festival, there was no yeast at it because there was no evil or sin represented in Christ bringing them out. The representation of Obviously, times when he asks for yeast is that there is evil in the world. And we have that within ourselves, within, a, within a, our, our lives. Is, again, we're not perfect. We're, we're, we're striving for what God wants us to be. But our lives, uh, uh, every one of us, we're born into sin. And so we need it 
to be rescued and brought out. And so you'll see in examples of the peace offering, wave offering, he does ask for yeast to be involved and included because there is a representation. Yes, he's sinless, but he's after us. The whole picture was a, a foreshadow that he was going to the cross, not because of his sin, but because of ours. And I thank God that he was paying the price for my sin. Amen. He took upon himself our sin. He became, the Bible says, sin for us. For us. And so that unleavened bread, that festival from the 15th to the 21st of Nisan was a morning and evening sacrifice. And, and uh, the, uh, you, you can study how uh, different things that are used in grain and drink offerings and, and, and young bulls and rams and lambs and uh, first year. And all of those things are a part of those sacrifices, part of those festivals. But it is a week-long celebration of how quickly the Lord brought them out of Egypt. Now, we have to think about uh, in, in the terms of what they were dealing with uh, in technology and transportation and all of that. Uh, we don't know exactly. We have, we have estimates of, obviously, uh, millions of people coming out of Egypt. And you can only imagine, um, uh, just for an example, uh, the hurricane that happened not too long ago there in Florida. They had given... Uh, I think 3 million people uh, notification to evacuate. And they're driving vehicles and they've got multiple roads that they're going on. And I mean, there's, there's traffic jams and log jams. There's all kinds of delays. And, and they're, they're using modern technology. You can imagine that um, you got families that are, they're not going in camper trailers. <laughs> Um, they're trying to get out of Egypt as quickly as possible, and they're, they're doing this hastily, and, and they're traveling together, and they're, all of a sudden they end up at the Red Sea. You can imagine the, how, uh, how incredible that was that they're able to accomplish that feat in coming out of Egypt so quickly. And so this festival is to celebrate how fast they were able to do that because when they were told they were able to go, they didn't wait a couple days. No, no, no. They, they had their staff in their hand and their sandals on their feet, and they were ready to go when the time period happened. And this was a week-long festival that continued after the fact on how quickly God delivered them out of the slavery that they were in. And uh, that's, that's a wonderful celebration of, of how powerful Passover is at Calvary. And it doesn't take God long to bring someone out of slavery if they want to exit. They don't have to take a long time and, and, uh, and, and, and all these things that they got to, yes, there's consequences to life and there's things that got to take place after the fact. But if God wants to bring someone out of slavery, it can happen instantaneously. I thank God for the power, amen, of the cross. And just one moment, people can celebrate being delivered from Egypt. Amen. Brought out of sin. Amen. No matter what length of time it's taken for them to be in the mess they're in, uh, one moment of time in God's presence can change the direction of, of, a, of, of the way a person's going to get them on the right track to get out of what has held them hostage for however long. Thank God 
for the power, amen, of the cross and of his deliverance. And so this is a representation. So these two uh, festivals happened back to back. Then we'll go into the third festival that I'll mention tonight, the festival of first fruits. And that happened on the 16th of Nisan, which is in the middle, or in the middle, but in the portion of, uh, of the unleavened bread. So here you have the third festival that happens inside the same time period uh, of unleavened bread. And that first fruits is a celebration of Thanksgiving that's held at harvest time during which the, the first newly ripened barley was presented to the Lord. And this is a symbol or foreshadowing the resurrection of Jesus uh, who's called the first fruits. And so inside of this time period, Passover and unleavened bread, there's going to be a resurrection. Uh, if it wasn't for the resurrection, we'd have no reason to get together. It wouldn't be necessary. If you've got a dead God, uh, serving a dead God ain't going to get you anywhere. But because of the resurrection, uh, and this is what Paul says, 1 Corinthians 15 uh, verse 20, but now Christ is risen from the dead, has become the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. For since by man came death, by man also came the resurrection of the dead. For as in Adam all die, even so in Christ all shall be made alive. But each one is his own order. Christ the first fruits, afterward those who are Christ at his coming. Um, he became our resurrection and our Life. But he said, I am, he said, the resurrection and the life. And because of the first fruits, we get to celebrate the foreshadowing of what was happening in Leviticus all the way through to the Passover where Jesus died. Uh, it was foreshadowing that not only is the Messiah going to be going to be killed, but he's not going to remain dead. Thank the Lord. Thank the Lord. He said, you can, you can destroy this temple, but in three days I'm going to raise it up. <laughs> well, what are you talking about? That can't, that's not possible. Of course, he's, he's not talking about a literal building. He's talking about his temple. He is the temple. He is. And so he's the first fruits. Paul says, listen, uh, sin came into the world by one man, but there's one man that's going to take care of sin. Amen. And I thank God, amen, that he arose from the dead. He didn't even have his own tomb. He used a borrowed tomb. Not going to stay here for long. I'm going to be resurrected. Amen. And that's what happens in a person's life. When they come to Jesus, amen, and, and, and have the power of the cross happen in their life, instantaneously their life can be changed. Unleavened bread festival. And out of that comes a new creature. All things are passed away, and behold, all things become new. Listen, the new covenant is better than the old. The old was just a foreshadow of what was going to happen. But I thank God that the new covenant, amen, someone can have a new start, new life, a new beginning instantaneously in God. Amen. Thank God. Thank God that he is the resurrection. Amen. Aren't you thankful for that tonight? But we get to see the significance of the festivals that took place in Leviticus 
that are represented by how powerful God is in our lives today. Thank you, Jesus. I thank the Lord that he resurrected. Amen. Um, the fourth festival that we'll mention is the festival of the trumpets. And um, uh, trumpets, uh, it happens in the, the month of Tishri, uh, Tishri number one, first day of Tishri. It's also called the seventh new moon or, or the feast of trumpets. And uh, it fell on that Tishri one. It differed from the ordinary festivals because it was marked by the beginning of the civil year. So the civil year is the first of Tishri, and that's when it's kind of like we have for our, our New Year's. And so theirs actually happened, their, their civil year began on the month of Tishri, number one, and this was a celebration. The month was distinguished above all the other months of the year by the multitude of the ordinances that were connected with it. And that first day uh, was consecrated to uh, be sacred rest and spiritual uh, employment that, um, that started the beginning of other festivals that happened in the month of Tishri, like the Day of Atonement uh, and um, the Feast of Booths, and we'll talk about those in a little bit. But this kicked off the new year, and it was kind of like uh, what we would think of maybe with our New Year's resolutions. It was a celebration. This is going to be a fresh start, a new beginning, and uh, how God um, is working in their life. And so they celebrated uh, the civil year and the kickoff that, that year uh, with uh, the Trumpets Festival. The usual uh, morning and evening sacrifices happened, uh, and then ordinary sac sacrifices, which were set, of, uh, set aside for the Trumpets Festival or the new moon, uh, where they would offer bulls and rams or uh, yearling uh, lambs, drink uh, grain offerings, uh, different things that were uh, uh, used for those offerings. And, and uh, in, in, that, in that time period, this feast day, it was in the strict sense that they they uh, rested uh, from all work and, uh, and as a, a holy co uh, convocation, and they did the blowing of the trumpet, blowing of horns, uh, and uh, that happened uh, throughout the, the morning to the evening, and it was uh, even done on the Sabbath when it felt, fell on the Sabbath, um, but not outside the walls of where uh, Jerusalem was or where they lived at that time. So what you have is you have a kicking off, of their new civil year with a celebration uh, that they are finding rest, they're finding strength, uh, and they're going to celebrate what God's going to do in their life throughout the rest of that year. Um, if, you, if you look at it in the sense of how our lives are today, uh, you look at not just the sense of us uh, all of a sudden, well, we're going to make you know, some public uh, announcements on on January 1st <laughs> you know how long those last it's not the idea of that the idea is that we're going to find our rest and completeness in the Lord throughout that year and just as they did uh, throughout uh, the, underneath the law and so they followed where they followed the Sabbath and to remember the Sabbath and to keep it holy of course, New Testament, uh, not only is that set aside for a certain day, amen, we find our rest in the presence of the Lord every day. And uh, I'm thankful that it doesn't matter what day it is, you can find rest in the presence of the Lord. And so uh, 
are and the lifestyle of understanding that there are there are people that work on different days doesn't mean that they can't find rest <laughs> okay so they find rest um, uh, in the Lord you can find rest on whatever day and so I'm thankful for that uh, the understanding of that is to actually get rest in the Lord and um, maybe I'll reread this and study it for myself later we do need to set aside some time to find rest in the Lord and, and to be strengthened obviously and renewed in his presence on a regular basis and um, we are the temple of the Holy Ghost and uh, taking care of our temple is an important uh, facet of, uh, of us finding rest and so you see uh, through scripture you can read um, Psalm 81 is words that they would speak and then they would sing from Psalm 29 so if you want to take note of those two Psalms and you can see uh, words that were said and spoken throughout this time period of celebration through the trumpets festival uh, throughout the day they would blow that trumpet uh, at Jerusalem morning to evening and uh, they would celebrate that they find the rest from God the Bible speaks about that that we do find our rest in the presence of the Lord he is our rest so festival number four festival number five uh, that we'll speak about is the Pentecost festival, also known as uh, the festival uh, of weeks. And uh, simply, uh, when you read or see the uh, pe festival of Pentecost, the Pentecost means 50th or the 50th day. Uh, this is the second of the three great annual festivals that happened um, during the year. Other ones, of course, are all important, but. There's three annual ones that happen that they recognize in a particular, which is the Passover and the Feast of Tabernacles, which we'll speak about in a bit. But uh, Festival of Pentecost, the most pro probably uh, important festival that we have represented in our lives today um, as apostolics is this great festival that what we know as Pentecost. And the significance of that, of course, we read and see in Acts chapter 2. And this is happening uh, 50 days after the Passover. Uh, and so what you have is seven full weeks that take place after the Passover. And then when you read in Scripture, for example, in Acts chapter 2, you'll see, and when the day of Pentecost was fully come, or when that 50th day arrived, the seven weeks had gone through from Passover. And when the 50th day, the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were all with one accord in one place and suddenly there came a sound from heaven and so we know that as such a powerful scripture in our apostolic truth and how uh, what happened that day is so important to us and to to uh, us as apostolics Pentecostals uh, we don't call ourselves Pentecostals just because of this festival but we are Pentecostal in nature because of what happened on the day of Pentecost when that day was fully come suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind it filled all the house where they were sitting and there appeared unto them cloven tongues like as a fire 
and it sat upon each of them, and they were all filled with the Holy Ghost and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave the utterance. This is that, Peter said, which was spoken by the prophet Joel. Joel prophesied about it. This is what he prophesied about. And their, their uh, request after Peter preaches to them, what do we got to do? What is it that we got to do to fix this? They were pricked in their heart. And then we have Acts 2.38, which is the result of what happened on the day of Pentecost, where 3,000 people uh, made a decision because of this festival. Pentecost has been happening in people's lives every day since. People receiving the Holy Ghost on a continual basis every day around the world. Uh, I thank God for the festival of Pentecost, amen, that we get to celebrate uh, in our lives today. Yes, it's, it's great to see what happened uh, on Pentecost and the celebration of, of 50 days after the Passover. But what happened in our lives is not just uh, a, a focusing that Jesus died, amen, and rose again, amen, but he brought new life to our lives. I thank God for repentance and I thank God for baptism but I thank God for the infilling of the Holy Ghost amen that changed our life amen he gave us life and life more abundantly amen thank God for Pentecost amen aren't you thankful for Pentecost morning and evening sacrifices that happened and they would bring their offerings and it consisted of lambs and young bulls and rams and, and grain and drink offerings, things that were two, wave, uh, two loaves to wave and lots of things that you can read in, in amongst this, um, this festival and what took place and was necessary for it to take place during um, the book of Leviticus. The great understanding for us is when someone comes and they give their heart to the Lord Amen. There is something that he desires to do, and that is to take up residence in their heart, their life. He said, I'm not going to leave you comfortless. I will come to you. That comforter, which is the Holy Ghost. Amen. Shed, sheds abroad in our hearts, gives us an enlightenment of his word and directs our path and speaks into our spirit. I thank God for the power of the Holy Ghost. It's more than just talking in tongues. That's the evidence, the initial sign. But the power of the Holy Ghost at work in our lives produces the fruit of the spirit in our life where love and joy and peace become uh, things that are so prevalent in our lives because of what God has done in our life. Aren't you thankful that when he brings life into you, amen, he changes our attributes to be more like him? Yeah. Thank God. Number six, we're winding down here. Number six is the Day of Atonement. Um, Yom Kippur is, is another name that's used for it. It's daily appointed for yearly general um, time when, when sin, of course, um, all sin, uncleanness, might be sacrificed for. And there's a great significance uh, concerning the Day of Atonement because it was on this solemn day 
which happened on the 10th of Tishrei, which is normally uh, seen as our September, October. On the solemn day of this feast, prayer, um, the high priest entered into the innermost uh, place, uh, room, holies of holies, uh, into the sanctuary and made an atonement for all the sins of the people. Um, and uh, which, which uh, that happened on a yearly basis. There's lots that we could spend Bible studies on each of these. Uh, I'm just kind of giving you the highlights. So what happened is the, the, the high priest went in with the sacrifice on behalf of the people. And in that process, the blood of that sacrifice was applied in multiple areas during the Day of Atonement. It happened in other sacrifices as well. But on this day, this was the day that they got to enter into the Holies of Holies. And the blood is applied at the altar, uh, which is the significance of our repentance to God. The blood is applied to our lives at repentance. You can't ever get past the altar. You can't go in farther and expect to have God uh, change our lives. We, we've got to stop at the altar first. The blood was applied at the labor. The labor is a representation of the baptism that happens in our life. The blood is applied at our life in baptism. Repentance and baptism are not options. They're not options. You can't get any farther until you go through repentance and baptism. Those are part of the death and the burial that happens in our life. This incredible day, the Day of Atonement, there was a process. And they went through this process to get to the holies of holies to apply blood on the third location, which was the mercy seat. And that mercy seat representing the presence of God, representing the infilling that you and I will receive when God comes into our lives, the infilling of his spirit. This was, this was the place that God did the ministering and the talking. God, the, the, you, the, they, they talk about Shekinah glory and a blue haze, and there's lots of things that are discussed. But it's the actual place where the blood's applied for the mercy seat of mankind where sin, amen, is paid for. Well, that happened if you look at the, the power of Calvary, yes, he died, he was buried, but he rose again. Amen. And you and I tonight have the possibility to live for him because he died for us. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. The blood is applied to your life when you give your heart to God. The blood is applied to your life when you're baptized in his precious name. The blood is applied to your life when you're filled with the baptism of the Holy Ghost. Amen. The power of the blood of Jesus is still as effective today as it ever was. It's what changes people's lives. Thank God for the shedding of his blood because the Bible says without the shedding of his blood, there is no remission. But... Our lives are not affected by the blood of bulls and goats, amen, but with the precious blood of a lamb without blemish, spot, amen, the precious lamb of God that shed his blood on behalf of you and I. So thank God for the application of his blood to our lives, 
and the Day of Atonement, how powerful that was for every, every person that was part of the Jewish culture and, how, and what that meant and represented to them and how God has gone beyond just the Jewish culture and opened up this opportunity to every culture. Neither Jew nor Greek. Every tribe, nation, and tongue is going to be around the throne. Peter, I want you to go to the Gentile nation. And that opened up a door for you and I tonight to experience the power of his atoning blood. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Uh, the last one that I'll just mention tonight, and there's others, but this will be the last one I'll mention in this setting, is the Booth or Tabernacles Festival. And the Booth or Tabernacles uh, Feast Festival was the third of the great annual feasts, the other two being Passover and Pentecost. And this was sometimes called the Festival of Tents, uh, Feast of Booths, different things that it's called. Um, but the representation of what happens at this, um, this festival, which happened between, <coughs> excuse me, the 15th and the 21st of Tishrei. So you have, you have the trumpets on the 1st of Tishrei, the Day of Atonement on the 10th, and tabernacles uh, between the 15th to the 21st of, the, uh, of Tishrei. And during this week, the people of Israel, they lived outside in shelters uh, made of, of, of branches. No work was done during uh, this time period, and the family was to uh, relive the days of, of ancient Israel's travel uh, through the wilderness and following that solemn day of atonement that happened on the 10th. Um, they, they had a relaxing week, which, which symbolized the rest and the joy that follows a person when salvation happens. Um, uh, salvation, sukkoth, which means shelters or, or um, uh, lean-tos. And so you have this festival that concluded with a solemn assembly and everyone coming together, together to celebrate what God had done in their lives. Uh, you can imagine how exciting that was. I don't know if everyone today would be excited to live in little lean-tos or, 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 or um, what we would call brush arbors. <laughs> but this was a celebration for them to, to celebrate what God had done uh, and on the Day of Atonement of sin uh, being taken care of for the next year. Well, when we think about our booths or tabernacles, we come to celebrate what God has done in our lives. And we try to do that as on, a, on a weekly basis as a representation of us coming together to celebrate what God has done in our life. Amen. That's why, uh, listen, we, we don't come to church with gloom and doom and, and despair. And, and No, 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 we come. Listen, no matter what's happening in our lives, we can still thank God of what he's done. Amen. How he's provided, taken care of, and made a way for us. Listen, there can be a lot of things that are not perfect in our lives, but I can tell you one thing. Salvation is not one of those. Salvation is a perfect plan that everyone has the opportunity to experience no matter who they are. 
Aren't you thankful that it's across the board? Amen. It works for everyone, no matter culture, language. Uh, amen. Uh, uh, whether uh, male or female, it has no bearing on any of those. Salvation works. Uh, the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ still is the, is the only recipe. And it's good for us to come to celebrate what he's able to do. Amen. Um, listen, someone tells you they don't need church, don't listen. Don't listen to that. You need a church. You need to be able to come celebrate. You isolate yourself, you'll die. You'll die. You say, oh, I'll, I'll, be, I'll be able to survive. You'll survive for a period of time. You've got to come and celebrate what God's done. Coming together to celebrate. That's why, that's why uh, we, we've seen the excitement of people being in the house of the Lord after going through a pandemic. And we tried to have church. Everyone's trying to do their best to listen on home and watch and all. But, oh, when you get into the house of the Lord with the people of God and you allow yourself, uh, listen, you, you get out of it what you put into it. Amen. It doesn't matter to me. Amen. If someone's worshiping or not worshiping, I'm coming to the house of the Lord to celebrate what God's done in my life. I've come to give him praise and worship because of who he is. I've come to give him thanks because of what he's done. Amen. I've come to celebrate. Amen. Salvation in my life. Oh, where would I be today if I didn't know the Lord? I don't know. I really don't know where I'd be if I didn't know the Lord. So I'm going to take every moment I can in the presence of God to let him know how happy I am and joyful I am to know him. These are just some of the festivals you'll find in the book of Leviticus that the new covenant even makes greater and more powerful and better than the old covenant. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord, for becoming our Messiah. Thank you, Lord, for becoming our sacrifice. Thank you, Lord, that you are the Lamb of God. Thank you, Jesus, that you died on the cross for every one of us. Thank you, Lord, that you've got us on a path and a journey. Hallelujah, that we're walking with you. Your word is a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah, that this is a daily walk with you. I bring myself uh, onto the altar on a daily basis, a living sacrifice, a holy, acceptable unto you, which is, Lord, our reasonable service. It's our duty, God, to offer ourselves unto you on a, on a daily basis, God, where we just say, Lord, I'm so thankful for what you've done. I want to do my best, live for you to the best of my ability. Oh, God, help me, Jesus, to be everything that you want us to be. Help us, God, to become everything that you want us to become. Lead us and guide us by your presence, by your word, by the power of your spirit. Oh, God, let us, I pray, walk in the ways of you. Be directed by you. Oh, God, let the power and, the, and Lord, the manifestation of your glory be seen through our lives where we become conduits and channels for your grace and your mercy to flow. Hallelujah. That everybody would get to experience what, God, we have been so blessed to experience tonight. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Oh, help us, help us not to take this wonderful salvation for granted. No matter how long we serve God, help us not to become complacent in our walk with God and take it for granted. You know, that, that possibility is there 
if we're not careful. Become stagnant in our lives. Let it be refreshed in your life on a, on a daily basis, a renewed basis where you say, God, I thank you. Thank you, Jesus. Would you stand tonight? Amen. Thank you for being in Bible study tonight. Amen. We're just going through the book of Leviticus. We'll hit the book of Hebrews here in a little bit. Amen. But these are just some things that we're, we're studying throughout the book of Leviticus that are so important to us today. Uh, so, so amazing how the Lord fulfilled each of these things in our lives. Amen. God bless you tonight. Thank you for being in Bible study. Thank you for joining us today. If you want more information, connect with us on our website at missionpoint.ca. God bless you.